0: Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Minds diminish the glory of the Lord. We have reduced glory down to a feeling. Therefore, we are driven by emotion. But real glory is not feeling, real glory is function. When the glory of the Lord really comes into a room, his glory is him putting his full self on display in other words real glory is all of him being all that he can be and wants to be in your life so when the glory of the lord comes into a room it doesn't respect how you feel i said when the glory of the lord comes into a room the glory doesn't respect your feelings God comes in a room to visit a people and he is on a mission to turn his face towards us until all we want is all that he is. Lord, get us back to the glory. You do know that the church was never called to go from outpouring to drought to outpouring to drought to outpouring to drought. drought. The call of kingdom living and revival is to finally go from glory to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory. God never called this thing to end. He called you to go to another level, to another level, to the glory of the Lord. I feel him here today. He wants to be more than a weekend visit for you. He wants to be more than two and a half hours. He wants to become real today. I am pregnant with this word. And I told the Lord today that if you didn't want me to preach, don't have me preach and I'm okay with it. Hide me is what I told the Lord. But God has seen fit for the service to arrive to this point, And I have something from the Lord for you. <laughs> Acts chapter 12. Get your Bibles out. We're coming back tonight at 6 to get in this river all over again. Thank God for our apostle. Thank God for Pastor Don. That'd be a great chance for you to appreciate the Lord for allowing them to be a leader in your life. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to read the text, Acts chapter 12. Revival doesn't happen by accident. Moves of God are intentional. So it takes a man of God and a woman of God somewhere to say yes. Despite the inconvenience. Come on, y'all. Despite the calendar. Nothing about this revival made sense. Super Bowl Sunday and Valentine's Day and Daytona 500. It doesn't make sense in the natural. But we don't live in the natural. We live in the spirit. And I honor our apostle and pastor Dawn for having the fortitude. Come on, y'all the guts to say yes when it didn't make sense in the natural come on if you honor this man and woman of God normally they're not even here but since she's here come on this ain't pulling from the atmosphere God loves honor Acts chapter 12 if you didn't read your Bible all week you're gonna read it today 11 verses god's gonna speak are you ready to hear what the spirit's saying this is what the word of the lord says now about that time herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, Peter, he put him, Peter, in the prison and delivered him, Peter, to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church and when Herod was about to bring him out that night Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards were before the door were keeping the prison now behold an angel of the Lord stood by him and light shined in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying arise quickly and his chains fell off his hands Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself up, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. And they went out, went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Last verse. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all of the expectation of the Jewish people. I want to preach very quickly on this subject. Give me revival. And give us an awakening if that's your prayer slip up your hands father I know you're about to speak I have felt you in my soul you are yearning today to talk to your people so let our ears be open to hear what the spirit is saying shut out every distraction devil we bind you now You have no authority in here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. And as you're seated, just look at somebody and say, give me revival. And then look at them again and say, and give us awakening. Give me revival. Give us awakening. If there's anything I believe you have to understand this morning about the text that I bring before you, is that the text I bring before you is located in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a profound book written by Dr. Luke. The book of Acts is the book saying that there are acts of, watch this, of the disciples or the apostles post-Pentecost. A better title or a better translation should read Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostle. Because all that we do that makes a difference only happens when we are being led and empowered by the spirit nothing that you do will have the impact it's supposed to have lest you do it with the spirit of God leading you to do it and that's what these men had they had the spirit of God pushing them out into the world to make a difference but by the time we get to Acts chapter 12 it seems like because it's a long time reading that it's been a long time for these men But the truth about this text could be further from the truth. The truth about Acts 12 is simply this. is that these men are sitting in the infancy of the church. That back then it was so new and so fresh that they didn't even call it the church. They called it the way. And they weren't even called Christians, the Bible said, until Antioch. That means the text that I bring before you is in the days of the church's infancy. But let me just say this at the onset of this message. That though the church is in its infancy, it does not lack potency. That though it is in a new beginning and a brand new start. And though it is in the embryonic stages of becoming the church that we see today, the global church. Please know that while they were young, they weren't powerless. Because God has a way of getting in things when they are in embryonic form so that they stay pure and move into power. That is for every person in the room who is young in God, little in gifting, small in stature, and you are sitting in the room saying, I'm in revival, but I don't have much. God is here to tell you that you don't have to have much to have revival that you don't have to have a lot to, to have a move of God. In fact, God thrives when people take their little and put it their little in the hands of his big. Come on. Big nature and big self they thrive when all of a sudden people say it's not much but God what I have belongs to you see you don't even understand hell is not nervous about you using your gift hell is nervous about you putting your gift in God's hands so that God can work through you for the world around you the church was in its embryonic stages but they failed to understand the power of God getting in the little things I know our theology would preach him big, and let's make no mistake, he is big. But though he is big, he's not afraid to get in small. You do know that it's an acorn before it's an oak tree. It's five loaves and two fish before it feeds a multitude it's faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed before it come on y'all before it moves a mountain it's one son for many sons it's 12 men for a church and it's 120 on the day of pentecost before it becomes a global awakening don't you Oh, come on somebody don't you dare despise the day of small beginnings Uh, it may start small but here's the word of the lord though it starts small it will not stay small as long as god gets in what you give and the church was in its infancy it did not lack potency and though it was small in structure god still gave it it gave it a great mission and he called the little church watch this to change the world the call on your life is to change the world And the reason why only five of you said amen is because the enemy has convinced you that what you have doesn't have that capacity. The enemy is already trying to convince the church that this revival won't last. That it's not going to make it another couple of months. But I came to tell you that the devil is a liar. God is about, come on y'all. God is about to do something that lasts beyond what you see. Because you may look at it like something small. But God sees it for what it really is. You are called to change the world. Don't you ever let the enemy convince you, if God gave it to you, it has the capacity. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I feel like preaching now. Whatever God gave you has the capacity to make a difference. Whatever God gave to you has the ability to do something big. Whatever little gift you have, whether it's singing, whether it's business, whatever God put in your hands has the ability to push every devil up out of the region and in the city and in your family. If God gave it to you, it's bigger than what you think. Just put your hand on your chest and say, it's bigger than what I know. It's bigger than what you know. It's bigger than what you know. I'm going to say it to you believe it. It's bigger than what you know. Your preaching gift, your anointing, his favor, your glory, everything he put on you, it's bigger than what you know. So you have to stay faithful in the small until God makes it big. And God took his church and he said, Your call is to change the world. Notice I did not say be like the world. Somewhere over the last few decades, the church thought it right to join the culture. I'm going to preach it whether you like it or not. We thought it would be right to be like the world but the bible is very clear that we are not called to be like the world we are supposed to be a counterculture to the world therefore there ought to be some lines drawn in the sand that says the world does that but we don't Uh, they go there but I don't they say that but I don't and it doesn't make me better than you it just shows that my allegiance is to one greater than myself and my life is not my own I am living according Let me show you what I mean. I can remember back in the day, my grandparents would go into a room, and because they were so full of the Holy Ghost, when they went into the room, the room changed. They changed the room. The room didn't change them. Somewhere this fear and intimidation and compromise has snuck in the body and it has poisoned us from within to the point where we feel we can't say anything and can't do anything. The devil is a liar. It's time for you to understand that if God be for you, you, what can be against you and no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Give me some believers that know how to stand up in a room and say what I got is greater than what's on you. Oh, and God is about to do something I remember there was a day when a believer would walk in a room people would stop cussing I remember they'd be talking about how crazy the party was how what they did how awful it was how wild it was and then a believer would sneak up in there and all of a sudden every other spirit would get real quiet and before you know it if you did it right by the end of the conversation they'd be asking for prayer see where are those believers who say I didn't come I didn't come for myself I came to make a difference I came to make an impact I don't want to be like you I want to show you what you can have if you find the same Jesus I found This is not the hour to fit in. Hear me by the Spirit, this is not the hour to be liked. The goal was never to be popular. The goal was to be powerful and carry weight from another world. The church knew it was different. They didn't try to be like them. They knew who they were and they stood and held the line and said, it stops here. But they didn't do it by themselves because in order to make that kind of difference and that kind of impact. And by the way, let me just say this. We have been lied to. We have told you that the height of leadership is influence. See how quiet it is? Because we told you through like Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, that the goal was to get followers. We we told you that the height is influence, but here's what I know: the the height is not influence; it's impact in the kingdom. God didn't call you to influence it; He calls you to influence it so you can impact it. Do you not know in this room? This ain't even in my notes. You get one life. You get one life to live and far be it that you go through this life and you never hit anything and make a dent in it. Far be it, you lived your, all, your, all your years, and you live in such a way where you were waiting on God to do something, not knowing that God has already empowered you to hit something. In 2023, you know what your calling is? It's to hit something. Your calling is to impact something. Your calling is to did something. Why? So that by the time you're done, they can look back and say, look uh, at the impact your influence fades your impact is forever but they were not foolish enough to think that they could do what they were called to do in the early church by themselves they understood that in order to do this kind of mission have this kind of power move in this kind of authority that they would have to have the power of the holy spirit of god That's why he pulled them into an upper room to tell them that I'm not going to release you out there until I fill you up in here. That's why every person in the room needs a Pentecostal experience. You need a moment by which the Spirit of God flows into your life and fills you up and empowers you. Because some of the devils you're about to fight, you couldn't win if it was just you some of the stuff you're losing against right now is because you're fighting that devil in your power and in your strength but some of you need to understand that this thing ain't by might and it ain't by power if you're going to win, you're going to have to win because you have the anointing and the spirit of God a true church that's in revival is marked by those who love the power of God is there anybody in the room who says, Pastor Josh I just want more power God, whatever power I need whatever anointing I need I don't say no, I push away my pride and Father, I say give me the power of the Holy Ghost They were not empowered by some separate spirit or some lesser Holy Ghost, but the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul said, didn't just fill them up, the same spirit now fills you up to overflow. Do you not understand what I just told you? I didn't tell you that there was some lesser Holy Ghost or some deluded Holy Ghost or some perverted Holy Ghost but the same spirit that rolled away the stone and got Jesus out of the grave is the one working on the inside of you you've got some power and if you know it you ought to give God some praise I'm talking about the kind of power that lays their hands on sick people knowing they're going to recover I'm talking about the kind of power that when you lay your hands, demons run Uh, Sickness leaves, Uh, bodies are healed, minds are renewed That kind of Holy Ghost power, do you want it? Make some noise! The mark of the early church was that they knew in order to fulfill the mission they had to have his power. Had to have his power. And that acts to dunamis explosion, think about it. That acts to dunamis explosion, when it hit that 120, it didn't stay there. It was so profound and so full that it began to spill. Into every facet of life, government, oh, y'all quiet, and religion. It started to spill out into every facet of life, government, and religion. To the point contextually where the government, Rome, started saying, what's going on down there? Because, and then they realized that it had such power that they said, if we don't stop this it's going to take over. With your prophetic ears, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Hell is convening. Principalities are convening. And they are saying, if we don't stop this, if we don't stop this move of God that's happening in America, it's about to take over. It's about to take over. It's about to take over. I said it's about to take over. It's about to take over. We're about to take over college campuses. We're about to take over your household. We're about to take over your business. We're about to take over. When you get full of the Spirit, you will overflow. Don't tell me You are full of the Spirit and not drip somewhere. Don't tell me you're full of the Holy Ghost and you don't praise God. You don't talk about the Lord. You don't pray. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, you ain't going to be able to move without dripping on somebody. Somebody sent me a, a TikTok the other day. I don't have TikTok. I know what it is but I ain't got a TikTok. So somebody sent me a TikTok. I thought that was for clocks. Come on y'all. They sent me a TikTok and it was a challenge and they called it the water challenge. And they had this cup and this glass this glass looked like it was full. Because you can look like you're full and not really be full. And so what the challenge was is see how much water you can pour in before it overflows. And I was shocked that how much more could be poured. Can I go deeper? Because the only way we know you're full is when you overflow. And there came a moment when one drop of water a single drop sent a full cup from full to overflow and the lord told me to tell somebody in this room that some of you have been seeking him so diligently and you've been coming after him so wholeheartedly that you are a drop away a praise away, a hallelujah away, a glory to God away, a yes Lord away, some obedience away and you are about to go into overflow. And when you do blessing and favor and anointing, it's about to overtake your life. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you're ready to go into overflow, why don't you take 10 seconds and just begin to open up your mouth and say, Lord, fill me up till I overflow. By the time this thing is done, you're going to drip on your children, you're going to drip on your job, you're going to drip. I know drip is a youth word, but let's take it back for the right thing. We're about to get drippy for Jesus. We're about to be drippy for the kingdom. Everybody's about to know what we got. Woo! That's what they're waiting on. They're waiting for you to overflow. They're tired of you talking about it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. They're tired of you posting about it. They're waiting to experience it. And for all of them that can't get it here right now, that means they're waiting on you to get out there and drip a little bit of this revival on them. That all of a sudden it whets their appetite. Say, show me where the Lord is. What happened to the early church as they got so empowered and so full that it began to leak? into the marketplace, into government, and to religion. And all of a sudden they said, if we don't stop this, it's going to take over. And so they came up with a plan. Bring James to me. And the Bible says they killed James. And when they saw that it pleased the Jews, when it pleased religion to shut it down, Because religion hates revival. It will act like it likes it until it inconveniences tradition long enough to agitate it, and then you'll see what religion really likes. Religion loves mediocrity, religion loves status quo. Y'all ain't saying nothing. That's what religious love, and the religious spirit likes it as well. That's why I feel like there's a room of radical people in this room today who say you know what be done with religion I'm done with status quo Christianity I'm done with this and that I'm done with predictability God take me into a space that's so crazy and so wild and so adventurous that God I can't wait to get to the next thing you do Lord rid us of religion and they killed James and then they saw that it pleased them. So now it's not James. They said, Give us Peter. That's a bold move. Because Peter is not just one of the disciples, he's the rock. Jesus said, He's going to be the one I build my church on. Now the enemy's getting bold. He's not just going after the disciples. He's going after the one person that if he gets him, he shuts the whole thing down. Which led me to this thought that when real revival comes, attack comes, but the first place you find the attack is not at your doorstep. When the attack really comes... It ain't coming to you. It's coming to the doorstep of leadership. Help me do it, Lord. Help me do it. Help me do it. See, you don't even know what it takes for us to stand up here and lead this thing and preach this thing. You don't know the fight that Apostle and Pastor Don have to get through just to ensure. See, some of you don't even know that when the bullets start flying, oftentimes it's leadership that gets hit first. And I'm going to say something, but I want you to hear my heart. But please know, we don't mind taking the bullet as long as we know you got our back. I don't mind the arrow. I don't mind the fight. I don't mind the enemy hitting me like that. As long as I know you're in my back saying, don't stop. Don't stop. I'm praying for you, pastor. I'm praying for you, apostle. I'm lifting the church up. We don't mind taking the bullet as long as we know that if we fall, you gonna push us there until we get it right. This is Bible. The righteous man may fall seven times, but he keeps getting up again because revival is worth it. What I'm trying to tell you is that before you write your silly email, in the middle of a move of God, before you get crazy, before you complain about us, please pray for us. Because he wasn't going after those, little, those, those new disciples. He said, I want to take the whole operation down. And the Bible says he got Peter. And the Bible says he arrested Peter. And then the text is clear that he put four squads of soldiers around peter four squads 16 soldiers for one man can i help you They all told me not to tell you this but i'm gonna tell you anyway you want to know what you carry look at what the enemy assigns you want to know what you really got you want to know what's really on your life? Look at all this stuff that the enemy's throwing your way. You want, see, see, the enemy wants you to get your eyes on how much and how many and how crazy. But God is trying to wake you up to the reality that He would, if you didn't have all that power and all that anointing and all that glory, there wouldn't be this kind of assignment. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world I came to tell you wake up church you are more and you are mightier and you are more powerful than you know don't get caught up in the assignment take your eyes off the assignment and look inside and see the glory for these light afflictions these light afflictions they look tough but they light these light afflictions the bible said are working an exceeding weight of glory in your life you realize that every time god lets the devil hit you he lets him hit you because of how strong it'll make you That's for the person in the room that you get over one thing and get hit with another. Get over one thing get hit with another. And you're going, God, why do I keep getting hit? God said, you just wait because you see yourself as getting hit. But I'm trying to show you how strong that you really are. Because one day I'm going to push back these devils and we're about to see the glory of God revealed in your life. Why don't you make the devil mad for about 10 seconds and just say, devil, I'm still here. I'm still here, you tried to hit me, you tried to get me away from church, you tried to get me to stop serving, you tried to wreck my marriage, you tried to wreck my children, but devil bad news, I'm still here. Some of you were about to quit. You can't quit. You can't give up. You can't give in. You can't let go. Why? Because it's just about time for God to show forth His power in your life. And 16 soldiers for one fisherman. He ain't even a warrior, he's a fisherman. But he's got power. And then it hit me, Natasha. 16. Now, that's not a number that you hear about much in the Bible because we love numbers. Yeah, y'all do. We like one, we like two, agreement, three, Trinitarian trinitarian completion. We like five because it's grace. We like seven because it's completion. We like eight because it's new beginnings. We like 10 because it's order and 12 because it's governmental order. But I haven't heard a sermon about 16. So the studier that I am said, talk to me about 16. And this is what I found out about 16. 16 is the number traced to the idea of having loved or in the process of loving let me show you what i mean for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's john 3 then i stepped over into first john the love book and you get to the 16th reference of love and when you get to the 16th reference of love in the book of first john it's this verse perfect love Cast out all fear. Then I went over to 1 Corinthians because in 1 Corinthians, Paul has a whole chapter about love. He says, love is, love is kind. Love, love is, love is, love. Do you know how many times Paul said love is? He said love is 16 times. And then it hit me that maybe at this point, the enemy's not trying to shut down Peter's power. He is trying to quiet Peter's love. Because for all the power that comes with revival, it's only revealed and related to the world when power walks in love. Now it makes sense why the enemy spent three years trying to divide people outside the church and inside the church. What was he trying to do? He couldn't stop our power, so he tried to pollute and pervert our love for one another. That's why Jesus said, they ain't gonna know your mind, disciples, by how much power you have. He said they'll know your mind by how much love you have one for another. But I came to tell the devil on a Sunday morning in revival that this church is not just a church of signed wonders, miracles, and power, that this church is rising in the love of God and the world is about to know no greater love than this that Jesus laid down in his life. We're about to see a love revolution. I don't care how much power you got if you can't love the waitress at lunch. I don't care how much you fall out if you cuss your kids out. That ain't revival. Don't tell me you can lay hands on the sick and treat people terribly. The devil is a liar. God, get people back to the understanding that we are called to be a love generation. Can I go deeper? Because while we're talking about revival and moves of the Holy Spirit, there is a move of the Spirit that nobody talks about in Scripture. We love Acts 2. We love the day of Pentecost being fully come. We love 1 Corinthians because we get to see all the power gifts. But Romans 5.5 says that there is a move of the Spirit that does this, that sheds abroad the love of God. By the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest moves of the Spirit in your life wasn't you speaking in tongues. One of the greatest moves of the Spirit wasn't you falling down and getting happy. The greatest move of the Spirit in your life is the day you came down to an altar and realized that you had found false love in every other place, but all of a sudden the agape love of the Father met you at an altar, and when you encountered real love, the Father love, divine love, that love changed your life. Am I in the right room this morning? Is there anybody in the room that can testify and say, I have encountered the real love of God, and I will never... be the same. We need more believers who will testify of the love of God. And maybe the enemy wasn't shutting down Peter's power. He was trying to chain Peter's love. I said he was trying to chain Peter's love. Because love goes further than power. Love can reach Further than gifting lord take the shackles off of your people and let love flow like a river to this city and so peter has 16 soldiers i gotta hurry he's chained between two and the bible says that things don't look good for peter But before you go crazy and say, this ain't good. This ain't looking right. The Bible is very clear that the only reason Peter is surviving, what he's surviving, is because behind the scenes, prayer is being offered to God by the church. So now we see the marks of a post-Pentecostal church that's in revival. They are pursuing power, walking in love, and they are committed to prayer. You have to be willing to pray in this season. I know that's too simple for some of you, but you have to be committed to prayer because I know I'm about to bust your theology right here, but the enemy is not scared of your praise. We have taught your generation that you can praise your way, praise your way, dance your way, shout your way, and then we see you at the altar next week for the same thing you were praising about. The enemy is not afraid of your praise why why let me let me teach you why is he not afraid of your praise so i can help your theology he's not afraid of your praise because it's not to him he's got pride issues y'all and he don't care about your praise because you aren't magnifying him but what he is afraid of is when you praise god and then start turning that praise into a prayer life because the reason why he's so scared of prayer is because when you start praying God, start gets, God starts to get involved when you start praying God starts coming and God starts moving and God starts shifting some things the enemy is not scared for you to shout and sing your song but he's scared to death of a people who get on their knees and begin to pray and say God God invade the situation the devil's the death, he's so deathly afraid of the windy, when the celestial invades the terrestrial And God's people begin to pray. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He's a giant in the faith. Smith was so anointed. Anybody know Smith Wigglesworth? Wave at me. Smith was so anointed, he'd walk by breaker boxes and they would fritz. Now that's anointing. If you can change electricity, you got something. Smith said this about prayer. He said, I never pray for more than 30 minutes at a time. But... I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. See, the church has to get out of these lay-me-down-to-sleep prayers. We got to get out of these weak and anemic played out prayers and we need to get down on our face whether we look ugly, look crazy, whether we get loud, whether we look weird and we say devil back up off my children, devil back up off my family, devil back up off my nation. The kind of prayers that will have you sitting at a red light squalling and crying, the ones that will have you screaming out in the living room of your house saying God save my children, God touch my body. God, wake up the church to prayer. Let me finish this thing. If I leave it here, it almost looks like revival's not worth it. Why, Pastor Josh? Because the church has power, they have love, and they have prayer, and Peter's still bound this text takes a turn for me, Natasha. Because the Bible says that even though the church is in revival, the next time we see Peter, don't miss this, the next time we see Peter, the apostle Peter, the Bible says that Peter is not praising. He's not praying. The Bible says that the next time we see Peter, He has fallen asleep. When I saw that Peter fell asleep, I was shocked. Not Peter. Not Peter. Peter's one of the most proactive disciples of the bunch. Nobody else is walking on water. Peter is. Peter's the one slicing off ears. He's proactive. He's active. But the Bible says in the midst of the craziness... Peter has fallen asleep, but it's deeper because I know what some of you are saying. Give the guy a break. He's taking a nap until you look at the Greek and the Greek word for slumber means to sleep as if deceased. That means when they checked in on Peter and the craziness, Peter was so sleepy, it looked like he was dead. And the Lord told me to tell you, never let the world look at you and talk about the times you used to be alive. Never let your neighbors look at you and talk about the times you used to be awake. Never let this city ever look at Calvary and say, I remember days when... Some of you have been rocked to sleep by the enemy and you don't even know it. The news, trouble, politics, circumstances, issues have slowly rocked some of us to sleep. I looked at why theologians thought peter was sleeping like this the answer it it almost is it's almost unbelievable they said that the the theologians said that the reason that peter was sleeping like this is because secretly he thought it was over help me do it lord and some of us won't admit it under our church shout and our church clothes but we've seen some stuff over the last couple years. And while we sing the songs and we hear the preacher, there's something in us that wonders. Is it over? The doctor's report comes. I feel the anointing, y'all. Doctor's reports come. And you've been claiming healing. And you get the report and the enemy whispers. Is it over? We are standing two weeks ago, and we see the Grammys, and the enemy parades himself in front of the world, and some of us would be lying if we didn't see it, and go, is it over? And any time you believe that it's over, it won't. be a response from somebody who said God I don't care if they think it's over or they think it's over I still believe I still believe that you're not finished I still believe that people are going to get. I still believe you can take a city in a day. I still believe. Is there anybody in the room that says, I still believe? As I still believe. I still believe. I still believe. I still believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. I still believe in household salvation. I still believe my marriage can come back together. I still believe. I still believe you're not done.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's message you can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can visit calvaryfl.com slash give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at CalvaryFL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.